direction is direction is the compass. Okay, direction is the compass. And generally, mm-hmm. folks want to drive north. Okay, generally, folks want to drive north because north is getting them towards that destination, right? And destiny is what fuels progress, in according to the process towards progress methodology. However, you and I both know, and again, I don't know what the roads like are in Ottawa, but in Indianapolis, my God. <laughs> Um, goodness gracious. So uh, we're constantly experiencing road closures, constantly experiencing yep. potholes, constantly experiencing mm-hmm. detours, right? Does that mean yes. if I wake up and I know I need to go to the law school, I mean, that's my destination, the law school. Now, if I normally get on 70, take 70 to the 65 north exit, they get on Dr. King and take that to the law school. If 65 is closed, my system, I can't take 65. Now, does that mean that my destination has changed? No, Dagnabbit. I still mm-hmm. got to go to the law school. But right. the, 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 the way in which I get there has to change. I've experienced an obstacle, right? I've experienced some kind of a roadblock. And what purpose does is say even amidst needing to change how I get there, never forget what, where you're going. And understanding, because think about it, no matter where you stand, a compass will appropriate itself to always show you where north is. Does that make sense? I can mm-hmm. turn around completely, but that compass is still going to show me what? North. And that's what I think mm-hmm. purpose is. It's a constant reminder. It's, a, it's an accountability tool to show you and remind you where it is you're going, whether you're experiencing obstacles or it's new opportunities that are not in alignment with your purpose, right? And at the, at the core of purpose is that direction. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Power of Why podcast. This is an interview-style show that talks to leaders who are purpose-driven. I started to notice a pattern amongst folks who are fulfilled and lived in alignment. They walk different. They know why they spend time doing their work. And they are fueled by impact. I'm super excited to delve into this episode. All right. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 28 of the Power of Why podcast. My name is Naomi Hailey, and today I am joined by my incredible friend, Murdoch. Murdoch, thank you so much for being here. Naomi, thank you for having me. I appreciate this tremendous opportunity. Absolutely. So I'll give some context on, on Murdoch, and then we'll... We'll delve into the episode. So Murdoch is a purpose-driven, action-oriented servant leader and proud product of Indianapolis, Indiana. Murdoch is the co-creator of Power Moves Only alongside his incredible friend Noah, who you know I've also had the pleasure of meeting. And he just released the Process Towards Progress mixtape, a collection of speeches he wrote, recorded, and skillfully put together to celebrate the one-year anniversary of his virtual speaker initiative, Moments with Murdoch. You know, you make hilarious dance videos with your family, you value your faith and your love for God, and you are people first, human-centric, and you know, you really value those around you, and you support them in any way that you can. Uh, you speak, you write, you share your truth, and I'm so happy to call you friend. Thank you for being here, Murdoch. I really appreciate it. My God, what an introduction. I feel... I feel like I can fly right now. <laughs> Absolutely. No, it's I, I bring people here uh, for a reason, and it's to talk about uh, purpose. It is to talk about, you know, the importance of community. And I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about you, you know, specifically your origin story. No, for sure. That's a great question. So I was born in South Bend, Indiana, and I moved a lot when I was a kid. So, and that's why I am so intentional about uh, claiming Indianapolis and calling myself a product of Indianapolis because Indianapolis was the first place that I really believed I can call home because I moved so much when I was a kid. I tell people all the time, my my mom's is from Gary, uh, my pops is from South Bend and spent a lot of time in Arkansas. And in many ways that came from nothing. And they took nothing and they gave me and my two younger sister something, and now I'm trying to take the something that they gave me and give uh, my future children and my community everything, uh, you know, trying to take uh, what my parents uh, have built and are building 
and, and using that mm-hmm. to grow the platform and create my own platform uh, to bless people in the same way that I've been blessed. And that's extremely important to me for one of the reasons you brought up during that amazing introduction, and it's that I was born and raised in the church. I say Easter star mm-hmm. where Jesus Jesus is exalted and the word is explained. And uh, something that's huge in our church is stewardship. And I don't believe stewardship just to be giving back to those that gave to you, but I believe stewardship to be taking what you've been given and using it to improve and build upon the legacy that's been left. And that's what I'm in the business of doing to the best of my ability in all capacities of my involvement. And it's that spirit of stewardship. Um, and I think it's growing up in a household and knowing who I am and whose I am uh, that's that's really brought me to where I am. And I could kind of go deeper, but that'd become a much, much longer conversation. But that's that's the premise. And it's that I was I was raised in a home of people that love me. I was raised in a home, um, in a in a in a household of faith, and I was raised upon the spirit of stewardship. And so every day I try and take to practice those things with intentionality. Mm-hmm. I love that. And was this always very clear to you, or was there a certain point in your life where things sh- sort of shifted and you became more aware of, you know, what you valued and the importance of church and your family? Was there a moment, or did this start very early on for you? That's a fantastic question, and it's a fantastic question because this morning at 9.30 a.m., I had a call, and that was something that I was asked on that phone call. And mm. I said that there was not one moment. You know, it was an amalgamation of moments that continues to grow and impact my life. There's no one moment I can point to that made me believe this is what I what I was going to be. But it's more so as I continue to be blessed to wake up every day to pursue my purpose. It's being a constant reflection, even as I move forward, as to what is it that I've experienced, um, to understanding that nothing happens on accident that everything happens for a reason and constantly reminding myself that the, that the difference between an obstacle and an opportunity is my outlook and understanding that as long mm-hmm. as I look up, even when my situation seems to look down at me, that there's something for me to gain and an opportunity to convert, to grow me and to shape me and to mold me into what I've become today. So wasn't there one moment? No, but I think there's been a series of random but relevant moments, which is part of why I call it moments with murder. <laughs> Yeah. It's been a series of random relevant moments that have made me what I am. And I'm thankful that those random relevant moments has created the intentional brand in, in Murdoch. Right. And, you know, random but relevant moments. There are these um, these lines that press and embody kind of your values and, and what you believe. I totally believe that things do not happen by accident either. And there is really no such thing as coincidences or that we experience. But, you know, you are you do spend your time intentionally, right? So you have power moves only, moments with Murdoch. You are currently a student as well, and you're in law school. So can you please picture of how you spend your time and, you know, what each of these projects and experiences mean to you and why they're important? No, absolutely. So I think one thing I have to make clear is time management, bigger than time management, balance has always been something that I've I've needed to improve upon, right? So I started high school and I started college in the hospital, right? So within the first week of school in both high school and college, I had to go to the hospital because I had, in essence, overburdened and overworked myself because Mm -hmm. you get on campus and you want to take advantage of the different opportunities. You're kind of starting over. You're trying to rebuild your brand. And I'm trying to get involved in everything that's something and know anybody who's somebody. And before I know it, I literally lost myself, right? Mm-hmm. And found myself laying on my back instead of taking steps moving forward. And so while I can talk about how I kind of manage my time, how I balance and how I don't, and we talked about this in Atlanta, as a matter of fact, but how right. no move is made in a silo, but moves are made to complement other moves. That's been a process towards progress in and of itself. Like, it hasn't always been like this. And I have to be open and transparent and honest and saying I'm only able to do what I do now because of the challenges and the adversity and the mistakes and the mishaps that I've made before. 
But like I said a couple weeks ago, mistakes and mishaps are purposeful too, and they can aid in you pursuing your process towards progress. So to speak more intentionally, right, about how power moves only, moments with Murdoch, law school, building this brand called Murdoch, how do they work together, why do they work together, Again, it goes back to my purpose statement, right? And it's and it's what you read at the beginning. The fact that I'm a purpose driven, action oriented, serving leader and I'm a product of Indianapolis. And I'm in the business of becoming the greatest powerpreneur Indianapolis has ever seen. And a powerpreneur is somebody who takes constant assessment of their relationships and to develop leverage. And they use they use that leverage to help narrate their story so that they're remembered from their perspective. Because as you and I both know, as members of underrepresented communities, as multifaceted mm-hmm. intersectional human beings, we are oftentimes remembered from the perspective of somebody that doesn't look like us, didn't come from places and spaces like we did, and that's a problem. It's called his story, and that's extremely problematic. And I actually talk about that on the mixtape, the fact that she is remembered from his perspective. And I'm in the business of trying to change that and helping people understand what their story is and tells it in an effective way. And I do that by telling my own over and over again and becoming involved in creating things that help me express what it is that makes me who I am, right? So when you talk about power moves only and the fact that we're a brand that promotes lifestyle centered around success-oriented actions through five different programs, leadership and professional development are things I'm constantly asked to talk about. Leadership and professional development are essential to anybody and everybody, especially in this digital marketing age. And Mm -hmm. so Noah and I, in creating the brand, we understood that this was a need that needed to be served, but we've been able to collaborate in very unique ways, leveraging our skills, our assets, and our talents to produce something that benefits the the people that are around us. And like I said, I'm a servant leader. That's in the first section of my purpose statement, right? So that's literally bringing to life one thing that's central to my identity, right? When we talk about law school and the fact that when I was in the seventh grade, I I remember like it was yesterday, I came home, I was watching CNN, and the state of Arizona passed a bill that, in essence, allowed the state of Arizona to take people who look like they might have identified as Latinx into custody and question them for their citizenship. That is unconstitutional. That's hella racist. Mm -hmm. That's it's systematic that that's this problematic in so many million different ways, right? And so in that moment I saw myself as an advocate. I saw myself as needing to dedicate my life to stopping issues like that. That was seventh grade Murdoch talking. I've since grown to start a student movement, right? I've since grown to start a business that serves people that look just like me. I've grown to become a part of the first black intercollegiate fraternity in the world that is ranked with members such as Dr. Martin Luther King Junior. And so many other, like Thurgood Marshall, I can go on for days, but I won't. So many great men who have been diligent and intentional about serving their community. That was not done on accident, right? That was done with intention and purpose and trying to surround myself with people, places, and ideas that helped me bring to fruition Murdoch, who was a purpose-driven, action-oriented serving leader and product of Indianapolis, Indiana. So does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. And it's just, it's in, yeah, I've noticed definitely patterns amongst like specifically values, beliefs, how you were raised and your love for advocacy as well. Like all of these things start very early, whether they've happened to you personally, or it's something that you witnessed very early on, all those memories do not leave you and they influence you in some way. And the fact that you're using it for good and you're using it to serve the serve people who look like you who are part of underrepresented groups is power in and of itself Absolutely. you have uh so you talk a little bit about storytelling and um in one in your mixtape which is incredible it's a four-part series right now but you you guys have to check it out you say take time to know your story the words that shape your story are the bonds that we can use as a basis to continue investing in the rebuilding of Black Wall Street. Willie, what was your process towards progress? I want you to explain this specifically as it relates to redefining and 
coming up with what Murdoch wanted to represent. What did that look wow, for you? Man. Look like for you? Because wow. it wasn't. I'm sure it wasn't the straight line path, right? Like it's it's messy, and and you talk about the the dichotomy. You say you know stress and success, bruises and breakthroughs, crashes because of courage. Like these are such strong, very competing ideas and feelings. But that's what we're all constantly going through, right? This push and pull, this tug, yes. and so helped you to craft your story and take time to get to know Murdoch on a very personal level. Goodness gracious! So first and foremost, thank you, thank you for not just listening, but and it's funny I actually said this on the last track, but <laughs> you didn't just listen, like you didn't just hear it, but you like listened yes, and you. Yeah developed a relationship with these like thank you for that thank you because that's what it was for Mm. that was i have never expressed myself like that before and it took so much vulnerability it Mm -hmm. took so much it it, it made me give access to i had to access a part of myself i never accessed before with people Mm -hmm. that that's especially the black man right and the fact Mm -hmm. that we have been i have been socialized not to be vulnerable because it contradicts the nature of what that quote-unquote strong black man should be, to be vulnerable. And so to hear someone, especially like yourself, who is as intentional about branding and community building and to, to have the experiences and the accolades and the accomplishments that you have, like to hear you say that, that means more than words. So first and foremost, I wanted to make sure I said thank you. The second thing, right, is when you talk about like what what helped me to see the value in, in telling my story and like, what my personal process towards progress has been. I can give so many examples, but I'm going to give one, right? So, and I tell this to to first year. So 2L means second year. I'm a second year law student. That's what 2L means. And a lot of people, people who ain't in law school would never know this. But 2L means second year law student. And I'm an evening student, right? And like I said, I'm the assistant to the Office of Diversity and Inclusion from right. McKinney. So I go to school. I go to, I work during the day and I go to school at night. So I'm on a I'm on a four year track to graduate, not a three year track to graduate, but thanks be to God I graduated a year early. So I finished like I was a full time student, not working, even though I am working on the school tonight. Damn. The reason why I mention it is because yeah, pray for me, please. So the reason I mention it is because I, I vividly remember the second semester of my first year of law school. I was sitting in my office talking to one of my closest friends now because of the things that we've experienced when we're in law school. Richard Akello, um, if he listens to this, I appreciate you, black man, more than you'll ever know, bro. <laughs> he was standing with me. It was probably 3 o'clock in the morning in my office. And I was like, bro, I'm going to drop out of law school, bro. He said, what? I said, yeah, bro, I'm done. I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. He said, what are you talking about? He said, bro, mm-hmm. I go anywhere and everywhere. I can, go, I can go and talk to the mayor. I can go and talk to the congressman. I can go and talk to the president of the city county council. I can go and meet with CEOs of organizations. I can go and talk at schools across the city of Indianapolis. I can go and talk to college and universities across the state because people are investing in me. People appreciate me. People are supporting me. People love my passion and my skill set and my expertise. But the moment I walk into this school, I feel stupid. I feel worthless. Mm. I feel like I'm not valid. I feel like I don't belong. I, I feel like I'm not supposed to be here. And I already told you, Naomi, this was a lifelong dream of mine. So imagine building your life to a moment, and once you're there, you feel like it's been the biggest mistake that you've made. And I genuinely contemplated mm. dropping out. Like, seriously, I've had a conversation with my parents. I talked to my girl about it. Like, I was like, this is not it. My grades don't reflect my competency. I don't understand what's going on in class. Like, I'm done. And it's not like I don't have anything else going on. I have a whole life outside of here. Why do I continue to stay? And one, I had to remind myself of a few things, right? And it's that nothing happens on accident. I'm supposed Mm -hmm. to be exactly where I am right now, right now. I'm supposed to be in here looking at Richard Okello from Youngstown, Ohio, telling him I want to drop out of law school. I'm supposed to be here. I'm, I'm supposed to have gotten the worst grades I've ever gotten in my entire life my first and second semester of law school. I'm supposed to have experienced that. I'm supposed to have taken out loans for the first time in my life for an experience that I want to drop out from. 
I've, I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to have experienced these obstacles. And why am I supposed to experience them? Because I said it before, the difference between an obstacle and an opportunity is what? My outlook. I have to remind myself what I preach to, to people about the process towards progress every week. And it's that I'm not just talking to you about the process towards progress. I, too, am going through a process towards progress. And the first step mm -hmm. of that process is patience. I'm not going to get this overnight. I'm not going to understand how to do this law school thing in a semester or two semesters or even a freaking year. I'm not going to get it once I graduate. I'm still going to be confused when I'm at the bar trying to take the bar. Because that's just how it's going to yeah. work. You never figure it out. That's the blessing in life and learning every single day, which is part of the reason why reading is fundamental, because there's something new to learn every single day. Let me get back before I go on another tangent. Yeah. When you when you talk about my own personal process towards progress, right, and, and what's brought me, what's made my story, those that's the those are the bruises and breakthroughs that I talk about. That's the crashes of carelessness and chambers. That that's exactly what I'm moments like that. And I can name ten or fifteen others, but I'm I'm telling you, it's it's moments when I begin to question why I'm going through what I'm going through that I get the greatest affirmation that I'm supposed to be here. And, and that's the power, Naomi, in being able to tell a story. And that's why we have to be remembered from our own perspective, because can't nobody describe what I descri describe to you like I can. Does that make sense? And if anybody else mm -hmm. wants to try and describe it that way, they do it a disservice. And so I want to be remembered with those stories being heard and the way they're being expressed right now. Stories told from my perspective. Because what do those things do? They help us rebuild Black Wall Street. Words are things that we can invest in. We invest in people's stories. Bonds, that was a that's a financial term, right? And so in essence my point was our words just like bonds are things that we can use in a financial way to build something. And we know the story mm -hmm. of Black Wall Street. And the fact and the legacy that it's left and the fact that we continue to seek to rebuild it. And we always ask, how do we rebuild it? Who do we build it with? We rebuild, and we are, there are plenty, specifically black and brown women, who continue to do it and are rebuilding that black Wall Street day in and day out, right? But how do we contribute? How do individuals contribute? And it's about telling your story and mm -hmm. knowing your story and not letting somebody else question your story or its validity because it is your story. Does, does that make sense? Am I making sense? Yeah. And I think it's because I think a lot about this stuff too. I think sometimes I can definitely be in my own head around trying to figure it out or feel like I need to have all the answers. Mm -hmm. When you're able to talk to yourself the, the way that you did, right? Like I'm supposed to be going through this at this specific time. It gives you a sense of freedom too, right? Like I think sometimes in those moments... We could probably default to beating ourselves up or really immerse ourselves in that suffering. And I think that's important sometimes, but you can't stay there. Right. And so that's incredible. And so how do you know when, for you specifically, like how do you know when you are making that quote unquote right move? Yeah. That's I don't think I know how question. to word that question correctly because sometimes, you know, when you do make decisions, you're saying, yes, that does happen for a specific reason. And you're supposed to be feeling, you're supposed to be feeling this, you're supposed, this experience is supposed to pass through you. But at the same time, like how much are you listening to your, your heart, your gut, your head? Um, and, and how do you know that this is what Murdoch is supposed to be doing? that it is your truth and it is aligned with, with your purpose. Wow. So I'd say um, there's not an answer to that question, but there's, and I think that's part of like life, you know what I mean? And that's, that's part of why I say that uh, mistakes and mishaps are too purposeful. Like those two can be purposeful. And I said that mm -hmm. like two or three moments from where I could go for a reason. Cause a lot of, the, shoot, the majority of times you don't know whether or not it was a good decision until after you make the decision and you see what the consequences are. Like no matter how much you plan. Shoot, you and I had a conversation about this. I remember we people like me, 
and you talked about the fact that at a certain point you may have experienced this too, I overplan as a form of procrastination. Like I'll, I'll plan so deeply so that I don't have to make the decision, not because I'm lazy but because I'm nervous about the consequence. And it, it's because I'm actively aware of the fact that sometimes I don't know whether or not this is the right decision until I see the consequence of the decision. And so for me, that's why that's one, like one of the three things I was going to mention. That's why faith is so important. And the fact that I was raised to understand that I don't walk. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things I see, right? Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes the things that I have the most conviction about, I can't prove. And that's like how I was raised, right? So that's the first thing, like being a, a, a man who is genuinely born and raised in the church and has a genuine relationship with God. That's why it's so important to me. Because, and I'm thankful for that. Because I'm thankful to have a relationship with God. But then, too, it helped me to understand that some things you can't see. There's risks that you take, some of which are more calculated than others. Some of them you can predict the consequences of better than others. But it's the fact. And as a powerful newer, which I never thought I would have been, you know, when I was a kid or even when I was in high school or dating in the first couple years of college, I never thought I would have pursued what I'm pursuing now. But, shoot, here we are. And I'm, I'm deeper in my purpose than I've ever been before. So that's the first thing, right, reminding myself of the faith that I have. The second thing is that I don't believe in the spirit of fear, right? That's also biblical, but I don't believe it's real. I don't think that fear is real, and I don't acknowledge fear to be real. And that's one of the I, – mm-hmm. I point to that as one of the main reasons why I live the way that I do and I'm able to be as confident as I might look when I make a decision, right? Because there's a difference between confident and looking confident, right? But <laughs> that's another yeah. reason why I'm able to look as confident as I do, and it's because fear is not real. And fear doesn't have a hold on me. Fear is not real. And it does not have a hold on me. And the, you know what the reason why? The reason why I don't believe in the spirit of fear is because I had to look fear in the eye at a very young age, like dead in his face. And it was the most scary thing ever, but then it was also extremely liberating. And then I had to do it again. I never thought I'd have to do it again, Naomi. I never thought I'd have to do it again. And I had to do it again in college. And I looked at fear in the eye, and it was. It was, I mean, it just leaves me speechless, right? I can't even put my words together. But it was also extremely liberating. And, and that's, the, that's the second of three reasons why I am the way that I am now. And I think the third reason why, and this is me being frank with you, and I'm sure that you can empathize with this, I'm not operating in 2019 right now. I'm operating mm-hmm. 20 or 25 years out. 2019, mm-hmm. 2020, 2021, 2020, that's already planned out. Campaigns finished. Launches done initiatives finished like we are not operating in the current moment we are ahead of ahead of ahead of the game creating a game that hasn't been created yet and so that's another reason why i walk and talk the way in which i do because i'm not even living in the present moment i'm living 10 years ahead and i know that because i can see the victory in advance i have no reason to be discouraged in my present moment because i've already claimed what's ahead of me in order for me to get there, I'm going to have to conquer this. Does that make sense? Yeah. Ooh. Okay. So thinking long-term, right? And I think definitely, even when you look at the greats, whether they're the greats in business or role models, folks that we admire, you know, for it, at the early stages, you notice that a lot of them were misunderstood because they weren't mm-hmm. living at the present time, right? Like they they saw the bigger picture, they saw their greater purpose and they they embodied it. Do you know what I mean? So, you yeah. know, when you talk about fear not being able to shake you or, you know, these minor things that some can get tripped over, you know, as we go along, and there are going to be, you talk about them, it doesn't shake you because you know, you know what's coming. And you know what's coming is greater than that single than that single moment, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm curious. Um, I, I know that you stepped, just in previous conversations, I know that you um, stepped outside of your comfort zone when it came to like putting out the mixtape uh, process towards yes. progress mixtape. And you've been sharing, if you're not following Murdoch on IG, you have to. And um, all his info will be linked in the show notes. But I know that you stepped out out of your comfort zone like what was it specifically i know you talk about sharing your story and this is part of what we have to do as underrepresented people i mean as i explained like i definitely see parts of myself in your story 
And it, it helps others in ways that you may have not even imagined whenever you were putting that out. I'm curious about your, your process for putting that together, that mixtape, because I was listening to, you know, Malcolm Gladwell, right? Yes. Malcolm Gladwell. So I was listening to an interview that he did yesterday, and he said here, you know, the first time that you write something, even though you wrote it, it's not what you think. It takes a long time to figure out what you think and how, you know, what you think first and then how to express it to others. And so he said, you know, draft one of his book was very different from draft five because draft one is never really going to represent your feelings accurately. So how long did you sit with the mixtape? And did you, was it like constant refining? Like, did you personally want to make it perfect before you put it out? Whatever perfect means. What was, what was behind the scenes? Wow. Oh, goodness. You asking. You asking questions. <laughs> So here's why I'm hesitant, right? I'm going to answer the question just because you're the bomb.com. But I'm going to have an event. Like, I'm sure of it now. I'm going to have an event um, mm-hmm. where, like, people can come and we're just going to talk about the mixtape and, like, just go through it yeah. speech by speech, happy to ask questions and kind of dissect. So, okay. So, one, in terms of, like, how long it took, goodness mm-hmm. gracious. Oh, my God. And don't gosh. say your whole life. <laughs> don't say your whole I'm life. Not- Came right on. I'm not, I'm not. It was um it was an idea before before we recorded. It was an idea probably for five months, I think. Yeah, five months. And now now once it was an idea, when it comes to like the actual speeches, Naomi, oh my lord. The first track, right? The intro. I rewrote, I don't, I can't tell you how many times I rewrote that. And that was, that was the shortest track. And I rewrote that more times than rap or drip. Um, yeah, I, re, I rewrote that more times than either one of those. Um, in terms of rap, the second track, rap was, rap was, a I, I threw up over rap. Like I may have written rap, mm-hmm. like I may have written that in like an hour. Now drip, and again, it's like, do I want to tell you this, or do I want to? Yeah, I guess I'm gonna just tell you. So, in the in the track, I talk about the fact that it was written in a night. The fact that I spent all night writing, and that's exactly what it was. Like I was sitting okay. in my office with my window open, listening to the raindrops outside, and I just listened, and I listened for hours, and for hours, and as I listened. I just wrote mm. and I would listen and I would write and I would listen and I would write and I watched the sunrise from like the night before because I was supposed to record that night. All right, I had to record the project that night. And so I got home from class on Thursday and I had gone over the intro track. I had gone over rap and I felt confident. I knew that the last track was going to be something I did, which is why it's my least favorite track, but it seems to be the track that the most people like, because I just spoke. Like, that wasn't my pre-written. Prayer? That was just me talking. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, I just spoke. Yeah. That. that was not. Um, but Drip, yeah, that was probably a six-hour process, but it was in one city, and I literally, it was a project of a night in meditation, and so I just listened to the rain, and I wrote. Um, and, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what made it. I hope that answers your question. Yeah. I like Drip a lot. You know, there's I, I wrote down lines that really resonated with me and like in the moment mm-hmm. while I was listening, what it reminded me of. Can I read two lines from it? Um, Please do. Please do. You say, uh, think about the raindrops that made this sunflower bloom and live a life in memory of the lives that this raindrop wished they could have lived so that their marathon can continue. It kind of reminded me of, <clears throat> well, a few things like, you know, there were so many people, Murdoch, who came before us black folks who fought for what we have today your 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 poetry connected so many things that i don't even understand fully but i got pieces i got pieces for sure well if i could if i could say something that um and so one like i said i mean and i'm not gassing you up like i just genuinely appreciate that i appreciate the fact that shoot like we're finding your tribe like when y'all have an event that you know what i'm saying you put your your heart your soul your blood sweat your tears into 
and you have that one person that comes to you after the event. Well, probably with y'all, it's more like 20 or 25. But, you know, small people like me, it's like one person at the end of the event, right? And they come in like, I just really appreciate what you did here. Like, it, it really touched my heart. I really got something from you. That's life-changing stuff, like, mm-hmm. for real, for real. We get so caught up trying to change the world that mm-hmm. we undermine the value of changing somebody's world, and that ended up a selfish world changing. Yeah. And you, when when I'm able to sit down with somebody like yourself, and you say that, like, that's world-changing for me. That's genuinely world-changing. And, you know, some people work their whole life to change the world, and they mm-hmm. can never do that. And you just did that for me. Mm-hmm. Like, somebody spent their whole life trying to have what we just did right there. And I don't take that lightly. When you, like, again, like, as you dig deep into the, the tape and you talk about how it it actually has an impact, enough impact for you to think about it after you listen. You don't just listen and then you go back to listening to whatever you listen to because we got to talk about your music tape off the podcast because we got to listen But, <laughs> but for, for, for real, like, the fact that... You call me out. Murdoch, what the hell? No, hey, it's love, though. Hey, it's love, though. It's love. It's love. <laughs> But like at a at a serious note, right? At a serious note. Yes. That that them last three lines, like the what you just read, I don't know if people are ever really going to genuinely internalize the weight of that. And that's something I think about a lot. The fact that that could that was written, it touched people, people said they appreciated it. But for the majority of people, they're gonna listen to it that one time. And that's it. And like, what's the consequence of that? And as a powerpreneur, someone who's in the business of telling his own story from his own perspective, and in doing so, helping others teach them how to tell theirs so that they can be remembered from their own perspective. How do I encourage a culture in which people take more time to do exactly what you did more often? Because that's how we change the narrative. And that's difficult work, but I think it's necessary work. So I just wanted to say that in response to what you said. Thank you. Thank you. Very thoughtful. You're very, very thoughtful. <laughs> I don't even know where to continue from this because <laughs> there, there's <laughs> there, there's so, okay, for one, okay, so this did, this was a conversation that you, Sam, and I had around procrastinating yep. because you weren't necessarily, you didn't necessarily know what the consequence would be or uh, where that would lead you. But it's something you talk about not living like a fear-based life, right? And so mm-hmm. is there anything is there anything now, like today, that you're still overthinking or that you're still trying to work through? Naomi, absolutely. Yes. I am. Yes. Yes. And yes, I am. I am struggling. There are a number of things. And it's like I'm trying to figure out what I do and don't want to say on air, considering other people can hear this. Maybe something that you know um, in conversation with your peers and your and your friends that you know other people are also struggling with. Because there, there, so yeah. there are so many lines between all of our stories, right? You know, the sure. fear of putting out your truth and being judged, for example. Mm. Anything like trying think, to perfect? Yeah, please go. I think I think one thing I'm struggling with, and I'm going to continue to struggle with. Oh goodness! I think one thing is like being patient, mm-hmm. and, and and I'm learning to become better at being patient with myself. Like that's extremely crucial in your process towards progress. Being patient with yourself. I actually talk about that for like two and a half minutes on uh, the video I'm going to release after we get done with the podcast. The fact that the reason why the patience segment talks so much about being patient with yourself is because if you don't learn to be patient with yourself, you're, you're never going to be on the process towards progress that you're supposed to be. You're, you're, you're not even moving at the, at the proper rate because you haven't learned to be patient with yourself. But then too, like even more than being patient with myself, learning how to communicate in a way that people can really understand what you're saying. And sometimes, mm-hmm. and then also, right, another thing I'm struggling with is understanding that when you're saying things people don't say and so they don't understand you, don't question the value of what you're saying. That's very hard mm-hmm. to do. Like when people don't co-sign what you created, don't call it in a question. And that's something, uh, that's actually one of the uh, final moments with Murdoch 
it will be released in like 10 or 11 weeks. But it's something along the lines of some people can't pick up what you're putting down because they're not strong enough. And that doesn't mean, right, that what you're saying isn't true or isn't valid. It's just people are in different processes towards progress. There's people who are further along than I am, and there's people who are just starting. That doesn't make mine any better or any worse than somebody else's. It's just my personal process towards progress. That's one of the reasons why success must be inclusive and personal. Specifically, it must be personal. Because trying to achieve success from the perspective of somebody else is going to lead you disappointed. Right. So I think that's... um, that's probably two things that I'm struggling with. That was a deep question, Naomi. Agreed. Agreed. And uh, even, you know, when you're putting out your work and maybe, you know, for example, like when I first went through the mixtape, I didn't quite grasp a lot of the things. I maybe interpreted it the way that I needed to interpret it or whatever, but I know it's the same way in like reading books, right? Or going through content or reading stories. It 100% matters what you're going through in that moment. And sometime, you know, maybe 10 years later, you'll pick up that same book that you read, but you're in a completely different mindset. And you're like, oh, it clicks now. Like, I'm supposed to read it today. Um, Right. That's that's power, too. Mm -hmm. So timing. I've been super fascinated by timing lately and and not trying to force things um, that aren't supposed that aren't meant for you today. Right. What does living life on purpose mean to you, Murdoch? What does living life on purpose mean to me? You said it using different words throughout the the episode, but if you were to say it in in one line, what would that be? Living life on purpose is living life with direction that fuels your process towards progress. That's what I say. Living life in the direction that fuels and affirms your process towards progress. That's what living life on purpose means to me because I believe that direction is what fuels purpose. Um, that purpose guides your process towards progress. And so to live life on purpose and in purpose and through purpose, right, means living life on, in, and through the perspective of the direction that you see and staying true and honest in it. That's what what I think it means um, to live life on and in and through purpose. That's another very good question, especially for a one-liner. Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> and, okay, so you say direction. What is direction? Is direction a vision? How would you define it in your words? Is it being focused? Is it that greater picture? I think direction is not even making it more complicated than it needs to be. It's like a compass. Like a, mm-hmm. it's, it's a thing that we use as we're driving down life's highway, right? Looking at that road map, trying to figure out where the heck we're going. Direction is... It's like the compass, and it, and it tells you as you drive here, you're going north, and but if you drive here, you're going west, and you're going east, and you're going south. And we can go so many different ways with this, right? I, direction, direction is the compass, okay? Direction is the compass. And generally, mm-hmm. folks want to drive north, okay? Generally, folks want to drive north because north is getting them towards that destination, right? And destiny is what fuels progress. In according to the process towards progress methodology. However, you and I both know, and again, I don't know what the roads like are in Ottawa, but in Indianapolis, my God, <laughs> um, goodness gracious. So uh, we're constantly experiencing road closures, constantly experiencing yep. potholes, constantly experiencing mm-hmm. detours, right? Does that mean yes. if I wake up and I know I need to go to the law school, I mean, that's my destination, the law school. Now, if I normally get on 70, take 70 to the 65 north exit, they get on Dr. King and take that to law school. If 65 is closed, my system, I can't take 65. Now, does that mean that my destination has changed? No, Dagnabbit. I still mm-hmm. got to go to the law school. But right. the, 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 the way in which I get there has to change. I've experienced an obstacle, right? I've experienced some kind of a roadblock. And what purpose does is say, even amidst needing to change how I get there, never forget what, where you're going. And understanding, because think about it, no matter where you stand, a compass will appropriate itself to always show you where north is. Does that make sense? I can turn around completely, but that compass is still going to show me what? North. 
And that's what I think mm-hmm. purpose is. It's a constant reminder. It's, a, it's an accountability tool to show you and remind you where it is you're going, whether you're experiencing obstacles or it's new opportunities that are not in alignment with your purpose, right? And at the, at the core of purpose is that direction, right? And it, it, it's that compass. I, I, I think that's the best way for me to answer that question. Okay, okay. <laughs> Incredible. And before we chat about the, the final question, um, I'd love for people, like this whole thing has been very action focused. Like you've shared the details around some of the internal dialogue that, you know, you kind of have with yourself too, that you share on your, on your platforms online as well. I'd love for you to leave the audience with one thing that has helped you get outside your comfort zone, whether that's putting out you know, your story and content and like embarking on the speaking journey too that you're, what has one thing really helped you get outside your comfort zone? One thing that helped me get outside of my comfort zone is my girl. I, mm-hmm. I think I could definitely say that. Then too, I hope you listen. I'm sure you will. She definitely gonna listen. She's gonna be taking notes and then ask me a bunch of questions. <laughs> but um, no, I think, I think keeping it 1,000, my girl, yes. Vento Dumbia, uh, she has definitely got me out of my comfort zone. And I, and you know what, mm-hmm. uh, Naomi? Uncomfortability is what leads to growth. Yeah. Bento and I, in many ways, agree about a lot of stuff. But the heck on the things we disagree is that we disagree. And learning to better articulate what it is I'm trying to say to someone who genuinely loves and cares for me but genuinely disagrees has helped me be able to understand my story and tell my story better. I think it's when you care about somebody as deep as I care for my girl, you you can't have a scapegoat out of a conversation. You can't just, all right, bet, we'll stop talking about it. You need to work through it, because if you don't work through it, it's not going to be worked. And the lack of work continues to build up, and it clogs. And shoot, when stuff clogs up, it dies. And I don't want what we have mm-hmm. to die. And she don't want it to die either. Right. I mean, I hope she don't. So yeah. I think her... Constantly making me uncomfortable through our disagreements or challenging me to continue to grow, holding me accountable to what my purpose is, um, that's what's helped me be uncomfortable. But it's in the midst of that uncomfortability that I've been able to grow. So I think that's probably a really good way for me to answer that question. Thank you, Murdoch. And thank you for being incredibly honest in this conversation, because I think that's when people who are listening are able to really connect with with you and your story. And those very fundamental things that we all go through are oftentimes not shared online as we are living in this digital world, right? It's like very perfect, like I have everything figured out. And if you don't, well, shit. The people that we, yeah, just thank you for being 100 when sharing your experiences, even though it probably was uncomfortable sometimes and you're thinking about what to say and what to share, but you, you have consistently just shared your truth. And so thank you, Murdoch. I appreciate it. No, thank you. You, Look, I said, when I, when Noah and I met you and Sam, if you, if, if I could create a physical representation for the uh, amount of like bells, whistles, alarms that was going off in my head. <laughs> I, I couldn't, I couldn't describe it. And, and I talk all the time. So for me to be, not be able to describe it shows the greatness of the two of you, right? And furthermore, being able to see how you go about developing your brand and building community in such an intentional way, right? And creating this venue for folks to come together. No, my sister, the pleasure, my sister, is genuinely not, right? You are a, a walking, first of all, you're a walking affirmation of what purpose lived out looks like. That's the first thing. But you're also a walking, like, protest and testimony to not running from diversity. And that's actually the name of a black-owned brand um, that's based here out of Indiana. It's really out the Midwest. Called we don't run, and y'all can look them up on Instagram. We don't run, but this, yeah, it's out. called yeah. We don't run. We don't run, and mm-hmm. you, you, my sister, you speak to that. Like your ability to walk with your head held high, you are a walking image of that. So 
it's my honor, especially as a black man, to be able to 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 express myself on a platform that you've created. So no, the the pleasure is is genuinely now, sister. Thank you, Murdoch. I appreciate it. And I have to say, um, even like when we talk about there not being coincidences too, all four of us met in Atlanta at a at a conference held by Andrew um, call and his team called Build Your Own Brand, and it brought together over twenty five hundred people of color. And so you can imagine like the power and um, creativity and insight that was that was just bubbling there. And we met um, during lunch. Like we were both, like Sam and I were sitting at one table and uh, Murdoch and uh, Nowhere were sitting at another and we talked by accident through a stranger. And so, you know, when you, this is a testament of being values aligned and purpose driven. Like when you are fully immersed in the work that you are doing, not your job, but like the, your life's work, your soul's work, you can connect the dots in a more seamless way. And so there were so many synergies between the work that that we were all doing and we kept the conversation going. I think that's why follow-up is super important. When you are on your path and you are super intentional about what that looks like, things will come to you. People will come to you, the ideas, the opportunities, they will all come to you. Um, I think you just need to be ready. And so Murdoch is like a huge testament to that. And I'd love us to to close on on your why when shit hits the fan and you're tired and you are on the brink of just hardship and like maybe having thoughts about giving up on your mission what is the reason that you keep going and i want you to be super specific easily we are my why we are my why at the end of every moment of murdoch i say murdoch is about we and not me and there's not one moment i don't spend not thinking about us the first time I said that was on a mixtape. That's my why. We are my why. Like the from the the person whose perspective has been misappropriated and misaligned in the media to the person that was given access when they never had opportunity and were overwhelmed with information and were questioned and called out without the proper context and representation. That's the we I'm talking about, and that's my why. And we are always going to be here because we continue to survive. And that's why I'm here. That's my why. We are my why. And as long as we are still here, you better believe I'm going to keep on pushing towards my process, towards progress, that habit. That's my why. We are. Amen. Thank you so much, Murdoch. Thank you to everyone who uh, took the time to listen to this fantastic episode. You are at the end of episode 28 of the Power of Why podcast, and you just heard from, from Murdoch and Naomi. We'll see you in the next one.